Welcome back, everybody. It's another episode of The Mindful CEO. I'm your co-host, Chris Angel, here with our host, Aaron Hendon, and our guest, Alan Kahn. Hi, Alan. Hello there. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Chris. Hey, (laughs) I I want to take a minute. I'm going to introduce Alan because Alan's my guest. He's my guest. I brought Alan. Um, Very important. Um, That uh, So Alan and I have known each other for uh, a long time. We're both, when we both had hair. No, actually, (laughs) I I don't think I've ever seen Alan with hair. Alan and I go way back with our work with Landmark. I've known him since I moved to Seattle, uh, which is now probably 23 years ago. And his beautiful, lovely, most important part of Alan's life is his wife, Catherine, and I were seminar leaders together for many years and um, just adore Alan. And when we rebranded into this thing called the Mindful CEO, you know, you and I were dealing with, Yeah, I, I know mindfulness is a great business buzzword now and it's got a lot of juice on it and we like the way it sounded but i didn't know really anything about what it meant or you know like to have integrity what is mindfulness and i don't really know why alan came to mind as the person we wanted to talk to i wanted to talk to about it um but without a doubt he did come to mind without a doubt he was the person i would want to talk to about mindfulness and so um you know, Alan's now, a, a, what is it, an evolutionary accelerator? And a status quo disruptor. And a status quo disruptor, right? Which is great, which is what he's always been for me. It's that every, that's not some, that's not some new expression. It may be a new moniker, but it's definitely not a new expression. And um, yeah, and so Alan, just really, thanks for making the time. Thank you for being here. I just love you. And uh do you know why I would think of you when it came to mindfulness? I really do. So I want to start there. Yeah. I, well, uh, I, I think, I mean, you know about my uh, number of times I've done 10 day uh, silent meditation. Yes. Through the Vipassana uh, organization. But, uh, you know, I think it, it, in our work together, when we were training people to be leaders, Aaron, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of what, uh, we didn't use the word mindfulness mm-hmm. and uh, we we didn't use the word presence, but a lot of what we knew it took to be a leader was to be present. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to what does that mean? To have all of your senses uh, operational and be able to uh, receive the messages you were getting through all of your senses uh, and then breathe in and then breathe out and then speak. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we're, when we're in the uh, presence of someone who has presence, <laughs> it, it resonates. We, we yeah. notice it. Uh, and, you know, our tendency to be doers, do machines, what is there to do, as opposed to we're human beings, what is there to be? So I think mindfulness, presence, being, all resonate together. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I represent some of that to you. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's really, yes, it's accurate. And the thing about the Vipassana retreats, um, you know, I hadn't, that always occurred for me, like, okay, that would be the most painful, torturous, least attractive thing I could do. Like never, like just on my never list right i don't know what that list is the fuck it yeah. list i'm never going to do that and um 
but I, you know, I started this teacher training, this mindfulness teacher training, and I'm just a teeny ways into it. But for the first time, it's like, oh, oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Like for the first time I've had the thought of, wow, I would just say nothing for 10 days and just be mindful for, I mean, that seems excessive. It seems, still seems like that's an excessive amount of time, but the first I've, for the first time ever, I had a thought of, oh, I get it. That really would be cool. So that is definitely a connection for yeah. it. Um, you know, and I, and yeah, we never use the word presence or mindfulness, but being present, Yes. you know, right. When you talk about transformation begins with what's so. Yeah. The what's so is just this in the moment. Yeah. Right. With no past and no future and just this moment and training ourselves to be present to this moment. That is. uh, um, Yeah. And then just I think the other thing, Alan, is um, how fun you are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think there's a real lightness that comes with being present when you're no longer shackled by the past or the future. and then in, as, in terms of, Alan, your work, so I know you're a professional business coach and that's what you do and you work with CEOs and you were sharing a little bit about the real estate professionals you've been working with in Canada. Talk a little bit about how you connect mindfulness to their productivity, their performance, their effectiveness in life. Yeah. Uh, uh, before I do, Chris, is there anything you want to say or uh... – yeah, two, two bald men talking. Yeah. Is right <laughs> we need three bald men. This is the yeah, three exactly. Yes, yeah. so there's not too much episode. here for me either. Uh, no, I I am totally in this conversation. Yeah. And um, I, Aaron said a word last week in another community called uh, emergent, and I feel like this conversation yeah. is very emergent. So Perfect. whatever shows up, I'm I'm here to jump on. That's great. So you know, I want to talk about uh, Ellen Langer for a second. Mm. So uh, she's a I think was the first tenured female psychology professor at Harvard. Uh, and um, she's known, I, I don't know whether the term is godmother or something of mindfulness. Hmm. So she, and she is emphatic. Mindfulness has nothing to do with meditation. <laughs> you know, you can meditate and you can be mindful and maybe that nothing is an overstatement, but they're not synonymous. Mm-hmm. So she does not meditate and she works with people to be mindful. Mm-hmm. And she says in any moment, we're either mindful or mindless. Mm-hmm. And she defines uh, mindful as, as really being present. And, you know, the tendency to knowing, like, I know what they're going to say. I know what's the there it's going to happen next i know what i'm supposed to do i i know the way these people act the tendency to know is the antithesis of being mindful mm-hmm. so she coaches people to be more mindful not to sit not to do vipassana retreat she says fine do it but what everyday mindfulness for her is living with a sense of wonder mm-hmm. curiosity So she'll say, when you look in the mirror in the morning, notice something about your face that you normally don't notice. Mm. Because in order to notice something that we normally don't see, we have to be present. When you're talking to your spouse, notice something about their face. When you're unlocking your car door, notice something about the paint. But in every moment, 
be curious and wondering. And, you know, uh, in terms of being successful, you know, we all know that knowing what to do <laughs> is, yeah. is not the answer. To be, <laughs> it's definitely not the answer. You know, every real estate agent knows what to do. <laughs> List houses, get clients, do this, to treat people with respect, knowing what to do. But being present in the moment opens up a different type of knowing. Yeah, opens you up to a different set of actions. You know, if our actions are given by the information we have and by the experiences we have, the more we are present to what's happening in the moment, the more informed our actions will be. And maybe that will lead to more success. All right. There's a lot to unpack there. I love that, Alan. So. Elizabeth Langley, is that it? Langer, L-A-N-G-E-R. All right, great. Yeah. Yeah, great. All right, because that's someone else. Podcasts, TED Talks, you know, books. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing. So she did a study. (laughs) This is where I came across her first before I knew she was the godfather of, godmother of mindfulness. She took a bunch of 60 or 70 or 80-year-old men out of a a retirement community and brought them to a a house. And the house was completely set up to replicate 1962. So it had pictures on the wall, magazines from 1962, TV shows that were playing. I've heard about this. I've heard about this. Yeah. And the the 10 men or eight people or however many people there were, at the end of the 10 days or week that they spent in this house, you know, their blood pressure was, I mean, she didn't teach them mind. She just had them in the presence of different stimuli, which affected their immune system, all the markers of health, aging, everything was reversed. So we are, you know, uh, uh, influenced by our environment. Uh, uh, And to be mindful is to be present to what's in your uh, environment, Mm. to really be, to what's going on with the people you're talking to, what's going on with you as you're listening to them, you know, and to really use all of that data to impact your actions. Mm. I feel like this takes a lot of, um, (laughs) I was going to say patience, and then it made me think mindfulness. It would take a lot of mindfulness to be mindful about how to be, successful you know how do i bring uh, you know aaron has aaron and i have an ongoing joke about 90 minutes our community is a 90 minute session every week and um for a while aaron didn't like 90 minutes he felt like that was too long and and um but there's a there's a thing that is just an anxious energy um that runs in the background if i can't slow down and be with the stimuli in my surroundings, like you're speaking of to be like, what is being said to me right now? What is, what is the invitation in front of me to direct my, my actions for forward? Yeah. Good. yeah. I, I have this, I have this little rand. I have a mindfulness bell on app on my phone that r- rings at random times, two times an hour. I had it at three times an hour, but it's way too fucking much three times an hour for me. And it, it just, I just, I just put it there so that it would stop me and I would take three breaths and the amount of annoyance and, and hmm. irritation I have when it rings to interrupt, how dare it interrupt 
my thinking mm. <laughs> is insane to me, which is why I have it. Like, yeah. Or, 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 or as one of our teachers used to say, my thoughting, as yeah, my thoughting, my, my, my thinking, you know, yeah. w- one thing, you know, I was leading a, a, a forum, a landmark forum in Israel in 1997. And a colleague of mine uh, said, uh, for your recovery day, you know, it, it, between the forum and the evening session, let's go to Egypt. Let's go to the desert. So we got on a plane and early in the morning and flew to Haifa and then went to the Sinai Desert. And we spent a day in the desert. So a couple of things that were interesting as the what's called the taxi driver, which is just a guy driving a really old car that you bargain with to drive you at a <laughs> speed as he's driving in the desert and, and, and the Red Sea's on one side and the desert's on the other there'd be these Bedouin just sitting in doing, not just sitting and feel like, you know, aren't they bored? (laughs) You know, but they're just sitting in the desert. And then we spent the day and played backgammon and ate fish. And we negotiate to go back to Israel, to, to a lot, to get the plane from, I don't know if I said Haifa before I met a lot, but we take the plane from a lot back to Tel Aviv we're driving, the sun is setting on one side, the the uh, uh, dead Red Sea is on the other, and the taxi driver stops the car right on the road, half on the road, half off the road, and takes out his prayer mat and starts praying. Mm-hmm. And then he gets back in the car, and my friend spoke Arabic, and I said, ask him what that was like for him. Mm-hmm. And he said, it was so important. You know, I do that five times a day. Mm. And I said, ask him why it was important. And he said, ever since you got in the car, I'm having these thoughts. I didn't charge you enough money. I'm going to have to drive an hour and a half back empty. I'm missing dinner with my wives and my children. This was a big mistake. And the moment I sat on my mat, I realized I was doing the will of Allah. He said, if I didn't do that, five times a day, I'd be a crazy person. Hmm. So for me, you know, uh, like you, Aaron, when I first got exposed to this notion of being present and how rarely I was present, I set alarms in my calendar. Uh, I, I decided, well, let's start with five, The you know, five times a day, which sometimes wasn't enough. And now when, when I coach executives uh, uh, and even ma- managers, you know, I say only have 50 minute meetings or 25 minute meetings. Mm. So between each meeting, mm-hmm. you can do those centering breaths. You can see what's present. Mm. Be mindful. Did you accomplish what you wanted to accomplish in that interaction? Did you not? What are you out to accomplish in the next one? Just to center yourself before the next activity, period. Full stop. Whatever you do, breath is an easy way to do it. Looking out a window at trees is another way to do it. Going for a a walk, taking a few steps, anything that has you locate yourself in your senses. What's happening right now? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? (laughs) How does my body feel? What would the, I'm just curious what, from where you sit and what you see, what would the world 
look like if people were in this kind of a practice collectively, if we were sort of in this kind of a practice, what, what do you see? What would it look like? You know, the words that come to mind are all the cliches, you know, harmony, happiness, Mm -hmm. oneness, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, people being less reactive and more generative, Mm -hmm. uh, um, people noticing their stuff (laughs) versus someone else's stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, less blaming, more responsibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All from mindfulness. I mean, that's that's sort of what I'm getting at is like all from... Being, being present and being, being present mindful yeah. not mindless yeah yeah wow yeah yeah that thing about um i i was so again just in in my taking on regular mindfulness practices i've been uh a little bit uh, i was surprised and delighted as we say in in noticing that wonder is directly connected to mindfulness. Like it'd be very difficult to be imagine mindfulness without wonder that those are not synonymous, but they're like sort of like front of the hand, back of the hand feels like, like, or even just the doorway to mindful being mindful is a question of, huh? Just even not even a question, but just the question, huh? What's happening? Like, Mm. that's like the doorway in to, yeah. You know, and that's goes all the way back to the work that we've done together, Alan, from through the work of Landmark to everything, you know, I read as a teen growing up from Alan Watts to the art of motorcycle maintenance to, you know, that whole world. And then, you know, Kale and I did this tantric retreat, uh, a workshop uh, at, at the end of May, and it's all the same stuff. It's non-striving. It's. Uh, oh, you know, uh, letting go of an outcome, allowing yourself to be present, experience them all, uh, all the same stuff. All, yeah. you know, it's one of those, all paths lead to the same. Yeah. Destination. You know, that was the will of Allah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Very okay. Good. That's not, I would never say it that way. That no. would, <laughs> right. It would just wouldn't be the way I say it, but right. the it is the same. Yeah. Whether you got there through five times a day with Allah or you just sit and count breaths for three minutes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which I love. Um, And then I love that it's, uh, you know, becoming an executive kind of conversation. Yeah. You know, the other thought that comes to mind for me that is the term embodied. Mm hmm. So it, it's not an intellectual mm-hmm. mindfulness isn't about being, it's not an intellectual process. It's not an emotional process. It's an embodied yeah. process. So you, the, it's, you can feel it. You can feel the center of attention move from this place to this place, to your belly, to where, to wherever it is. Uh, uh, it, it's an inclusive thing rather than exclusive mm-hmm. it expands what your your awareness it's an expansive practice as it's a contradiction here it's expansive as well as grounding yeah well that's a, you know difference between focused and open mindfulness yes. that and that good. that and either way is you know going back and forth it's not yeah. one it's not one or the other um yeah. 
But yesterday I had this experience of awareness being um, like a wave or something I could control. Like it was, you know, it's awareness as a, as a, I don't know, set of electrical impulses as something as a, you know, like, oh, I could bring awareness to my feet. I could bring awareness. Like those kinds of practices are just amazing to me as an opportunity to, you know, slow down and, and, you know, especially Alan, there's some play and I don't know what the connection is yet. And you, you might be able to speak to this, but, you know, given our actions are a function of the way the world occurs, which is, I I don't, you know, I don't question that as a view. I think that's a valid, more than a valid view. I think it's an accurate view. Um, You know, shifting, uh, being able to control our awareness immediately impacts what I see there is to act on, which is, I think what you were talking about in the beginning. You know, I'm looking at the books that I keep close at hand. so this is one of them. Breath. Oh, Nestor. Yeah. Okay. Just a breath because we're talking about it. And then this is a, a, an old classic, the, the corporate mystic, which is all about, you know, the, the you could say the mindful yes. where they have the, you know, the top 12 qualities that leaders need in, in order to uh, provide breakthrough leadership. It's an old book, but it's been uh, up upgraded over the years. So the, those are two that I, I keep at hand. And then finally, there's a woman who's doing a lot of work at, uh, uh, at um, Microsoft, and she brought myself and some colleagues at the Henley Leadership Group to coach some of the senior managers at uh, at um, at Microsoft, and it's just a hundred-page book, and it's called. She, I think, she lives on Bainbridge Island, Sarah Yao. Get mm-hmm. present. So simple, mm-hmm. nothing spiritual, nothing mystical, nothing magical. Just get present. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah. So the more we can de- demystify, yeah, <laughs> mindfulness, and it's it's simply uh, uh, in, into what it actually is to give people access to it. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we remember our, uh, you know, basketball coach, the guy with the Bulls and then with the Lakers, uh, um, Jackson, Phil Jackson, Phil, you know, I mean, he had, he worked with the players on yeah. mindfulness. Mm. I had forgotten that that was the case. And that really is the case. Had them sit in a circle, had yeah. them breathe together, had them do some substances together. Yeah. <laughs> Can we, if we could bridge for a second, the conversation yes. of being present and mindfulness where I get a whole world of sitting and um, drum drumming and whatever right. mechanism you want to bring awareness to the moment. Um, there's those kinds of practices. And then if I jump over here to the world of business, there are business practices and there's, you know, projections and year over year returns and um, goals and hustle culture. There's a lot. I'm curious from where you sit, where does business and commerce meet mission and purpose? Great. It's great. You know, uh, when I'm working in businesses, you know, I want to coach them, you know, I have about seven criteria to work Mm -hmm. with a business one is that they be the best in their field and by being the best in their field, not by vanquishing the competition, but by elevating the field uh, uh, Two, that people who work there say it's the best place they've ever worked. 
that the customers say it's the best customer service, that they produce a tremendous return to the shareholders that and they do the community where they're located is glad that they're there and uh, uh, they do minimal harm to the environment. And those are companies that are mission driven and values based. And unless people are present or mindful, they will lose track of the mission, the vision and the values. So that's number one. Number two, I coach people. Uh, I, I suggest that you start every meeting at, with two people, three people, 12 people with checking in. You know, uh, the Henley Leadership Group uses uh, the acronym PIES, P-I-E-S. Check in. What's present for you physically, Mm. intellectually, that's the I, emotionally, and spiritually. And we work with these executives who don't even have any idea what spiritual means. And we have them check in with PIES, including... It's so good. But it takes like two minutes and everybody's checked in and you don't comment on each other's. Oh, oh. And then you, then you end with a declaration. Mm. Uh, you check in physically intellectually, and then you say, and I'm in. Mm. And everybody says, and I'm in. And, and then you end the meeting with checking out with, not with the pies, but maybe one word. And then you say, and I'm out. So you, there's a clear, this was a business meeting. You're in for this meeting. You have the meeting. You're all present. And now you're out and you're on to what's next. Uh, yeah. So good. Uh, you know, this thing is a practice that we got from Tantra, but it's the same, absolutely the same vibe. And that's yeah. creating a bubble where yeah. when Cal and I sit down together, if we're going to be spend any time together, which is intentional time we're going to spend together yeah. and I mean, it's just all counts as intimate. It's all now intimate time because we're sitting and we create a bubble and we intentionally take things out of the bubble, which is checking in here. We're taking out, getting somewhere, we're taking out stress or worry. And then we're going to bring in, you know, love and intimacy. We bring stuff in and now we're in a bubble with the thing. None of the stuff we don't want, all the stuff we want. And it's the intention that matters there, you know, that you're intentionally stopping. You know, I, uh, a, a couple, a couple, something else about that. Aaron? Yeah, yeah. No. Well, the other thing is when we're done, you you pop the bubble. Oh, pop the bubble. Yeah. You know, Chris. You know, I was stayed up late last night to watch the soccer game. Yeah, uh, with the women, uh, American yeah. women's soccer. Got lucky there, man. Jeez, got lucky against, there against Portugal. Yeah, and and uh, uh, and 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 I'm watching, and you know, I think. Every each team has a strategy to go back to what you're talking about business. They all had a strategy. Hmm. I, I hope. You know I mean? <laughs> what are they doing in practice? Right. They're not having some sort of strategy. Well, we all watch Ted Lasso. We know there's a strategy. <laughs> yeah. And, oh. and you could look to see uh, w- w- presence hmm. were people in the zone hmm. when they were executing the strategy. And my experience in watching the, the 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 team from Portugal is those women and everybody says, you know, they played above their prediction. They were present in, in, in a way that the American team did not appear from the get go present. They were doing something, but there was a lack of presence. Mm. 
So to get back to business, you know, you got to come up with a great strategy. Yeah. But great strategy alone won't make a business successful. Then there's execution. And to execute a strategy, if you're mindfully executing a strategy rather than mindlessly executing a strategy, I think you'll see different results. Mm. I love that. Yeah. And it's good because this is, you know, I mean, we talk about with this with Jeff and Richard in the autonomy course too, but you know, you, we walk into businesses, we all do this walk into businesses and you know, the mission statements on the wall, <laughs> right? It's there it is. There's our mission statement or, or better or not even better or more accurately at the same time with, with the exact same effect. It's in a, it's in a binder yeah. <laughs> at HR. Yeah. And, you know, I was working today with the executives of a, a, a company, uh, five executives, and I'd worked with them in person. And what we did for the first meeting, again, Chris, getting back to how do you integrate this? I had them put their, we, I made a slide with all of their values, uh, six values. They read the values. Then I had them rate themselves, you know, using one to five, to what degree do they embody the values? And to what degree does the team embody the values, period? And then we saw where the biggest gap was, and that's what we went to work on first. And, you know, a word we're all familiar with on this call is integrity, and that's where there was the biggest gap. (laughs) So we've been working now for two months on how do you, not how do you elevate other people's integrity, but how do we elevate the integrity of the team, the leadership team? And then once they're elevated and they're at least a 4.5 or whatever, then we can push it out into the company. Yeah. It's having, it's, it's practices that keep us present to the purpose. You know, I mean, we invented the real estate, Christine and I's the team, the purpose, the, uh, um, I forgot even what the moniker for it is, but it's the purpose is, um, creating, connections that bring forth the miraculous beautiful and that's what we do is uh, you know so in every call and every meeting it's you know how is are we creating connections that bring forth the miraculous or are we slinging houses here and now if if and i assert if you're not mindful or you're not present i'll use those words interchangeably now Mm -hmm. you don't know whether that's a memory, a thought, a slogan, or is it using you in the present? And and it it won't. That's Uh, right. And do you, how, maybe mindfulness is how quickly do you catch yourself when you're off so that you can return to being true to your purpose, to your mission? You know, which is, which is, again, that's every modality of training that we've participated in yes has that same you're not going to be it by default yeah it's not going to you know we are this is we are you know this is now my favorite daniel kahneman you know we are not thinkers we are of we are designed to avoid thinking we are system to amygdala thinkers we're not going to think by default, ever the design of a human being is to not think, is to take shortcuts, is to survive. That's the design, and where you know this is all—it's not compensatory; it's all the opportunity. 
And and there's nothing wrong with that. That's right. It's not. That's there's right. nothing wrong with that. You, you, the 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 five things, six things I now have on my little post-it that I'm looking above my screen. Listen to your gut. Okay, you got to be present. Follow your heart. Use your head. Those three things. Those are all. You can't do that unless you're present. Right. Uh, Nate, you have to name it to to tame it. Ooh, the pattern that gets in the way if you're going to intervene in it otherwise it's just happening then then you have to name it to claim it you know you have to name what you're aspiring to and then finally from you know working with people with trauma you have to feel it to heal it uh so you know i i I like things simple yeah (laughs) great mnemonics because i think life is i think life is simple yeah. Name it to claim it, name it to tame it, feel it to yeah, heal it. Feel it to heal it. Use your head, follow your heart, listen to your gut. Now, I, I am not the originator of any of those. I am right. a propaga- propagator. Yeah, propagator. Yeah, propagator. Like Accelerator. Like, accelerator. accelerator. Evolutionary accelerator, dude. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, maybe, maybe you could speak to that. I mean, I feel like we're kind of on the second half of the last third yeah. of our conversation here, but if you thought like – you, you had said before we hit record that one of the ways that you describe yourself or others describe you as an evolutionary accelerator. Yeah. I'm curious yeah. how, what, like, what is that? What, what, yeah. what is it? What does that do? And scientists who have studied evolution and study it, tell me that's the wrong word <laughs> <laughs> that, that evolution isn't necessarily positive, right. uh, uh, but I, I, I have this view that, we as human beings are evolving. Uh, I have it's a view. I don't have a lot of evidence for it uh, right now, but that we're evolving, and and that uh, you, Chris, me, and Aaron, and millions of others are part of an evolutionary wave. Mm-hmm. You know that wave exists independent of us, and we are part of that wave. And I, you know, I want to be the best bubble on that wave that I can be. And I want to be able to support others and in evolving from that mindless to mindful, full stop. So that's what it means is supporting those things that uh, seem to be in the best interest of humanity rather than in the best interest of one's ego. Beautiful. Yeah. Love that. Mm. I just had that image, Alan, of the, uh, you know, you talk about a wave, you know, you can't separate a drop of water from the wave and pretend that that, there's no wave in there, but that's what the wave is, is those, that water. And so where are you in that wave? You are that wave. And whether you took that drop of water out or not, the wave would exist. and, And our teachers are part of that wave. The people we're teaching are part of that wave. You know, we're all part of that wave either uh perhaps <laughs> this is now a little right. bit poetic you know whether we know it or not right and that's sure. the great thing to uh ponder right yeah, yeah. and I, that's I, I'm remembering work werner uh in the beginning when he started the hunger project where he, you know to, to how do you make the end of 
uh, death by starvation, an idea whose time has come. And he said, the first thing we have to include are the people who say it can't be done. They're part of they're part of the movement. We're all part of the movement. If we can't embrace and work with the people, we have to listen to them because whatever they're saying, we got to deal with rather than, oh, they don't belong. Mm. You, know, you know, and that's hard to do in this day of polarization yeah. where we see so many things happening uh, 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 that we are appalled by th- to know that we're all part of this wave. Yeah. I was listening to Esther Hicks this morning, as I do. I listen uh-huh. to Esther Hicks every morning. And uh, um, the quote that stood out for me is, um, you know, she's uh, she's talking about unconditional love. And, you know, mostly it's in, I don't need the conditions of the world to be any particular way for me to love my life. I don't just, or I have conditional love, which is you have to be a particular way for me to to be happy. But in this case, what I heard this morning was she was saying, I I love you so much. I don't care what you think. Mm. You know, my love is unconditional. You can think what you think. I love you. Now she was talking about a different context, but I heard it in terms of the polarized, you know, political climate we live in that my love is unconditional. Yeah. Not dependent on what you think. Yes. You can think whatever you want. Yes. And I, it's not going to impact how much I love you. Yeah, it's great. And I thought that's a radical approach to life. Yeah. There's an idea whose time has come. Yeah. Like that. Wow. All right. Well, Alan, I, I think I, I think that's a good place to yeah. put a pin in it. Um, you know, one of the things, just to reiterate for anyone you know, for the five people that are listening, when we get to 12, we decided we're going to start editing. So watch out, share this with your friends, because when this gets edited, it'll be so much better than this. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the contexts for this whole thing is, that, you know, the name is the Mindful CEO, but it's not just we, this was a particularly business oriented conversation and uh, useful, certainly in that context. And CEO is also, you know, uh, we're all CEOs of our lives. We are yes. all the, the source and the power and the effectiveness inside whatever it is we're up to. We're always, we always have the opportunity to be the CEO of whatever it is we're doing, take responsibility okay. and be the one in charge. So if anything is useful from this, if you find something in this, that's useful for empowering you for that, that was the intention. Great. And if it wasn't useful, ignore it. Ignore it. Totally exactly. ignore it. That was, that, you know, that was Alan's fault. We won't have him back. So there you go. Exactly. Um, uh, Alan, Alan, if people just, want to learn more about where you are and how to reach you, how to connect with you, how can people sure. reach out? Uh, uh, physically, I'm, I'm, I'm in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and, you know, Alan at alancon.com is how to reach me. Okay. A-L-A-N-C-A-H-N. Dot com. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I also work, I'm, I'm part the t- group that uh, uh, the coaching group that I'm part of, in addition to Alan Khan Consulting, is called the Henley Leadership Group, and they're headquartered up in Seattle. Right. Yeah. Fabulous. What a beautiful conversation. Thank you for being here today. Yeah. yeah. Alan, Thank thanks so much. Great to talk I know why you. I thought of you first. It's great to talk with both of you. It's great. All right. All right. Peace.